Good evening. Um, some people have asked me over the last few weeks, uh, would you have some kind of teaching about how to pray morning prayer out of the prayer book and perhaps evening prayer as well? And, and uh, I'm really sad that we can't do that in person, but I thought I'd do it over uh, uh, the, the magic of uh, Facebook and, uh, and YouTube and all the rest. We're using YouTube and it's been really kind of neat. Um, but let me just say a few words about morning and evening prayer and the Anglican tradition and how they began. Um, in the late medieval period, uh, monks, usually Benedictines, in England for many uh, centuries was called the land of the Benedictines, um, prayed seven communal offices, uh, office referred simply to their duties, uh, their duties of prayer. Uh, seven communal offices, seven times a day. They would rise as early as 3.30 in the morning, maybe even 3 in the morning, uh, to pray the first office, matins, uh, and followed by lauds at around 5 a.m. And uh, part of the critique of the reformers was that this is just too much for ordinary people to do. Uh, priests as well in the, uh, in the medieval Catholic tradition uh, were required to pray the sevenfold uh, office out of what was called the breviary at that point. And uh, it was really way too hard for anyone to do, really, uh, except really uh, monks at that point. Um, and so the first Archbishop of Canterbury, following the Reformation, uh, Thomas Cranmer, who compiled in 1549 the Book of Common Prayer, uh, decided to condense these offices, these duties, down into two, morning prayer and evening prayer. Uh, the idea was that the day could be easily begun in prayer and ended in prayer, perhaps sometime before dinner. And uh, in the Anglican tradition, this has continued on. It's been a wonderful gift to many people. Um, I know many people who grew up with their grandmother or grandfather or their mother or their father, picking them up on their lap as they uh, prayed morning prayer out of the prayer book. I do the same with my kids at home uh, with morning prayer, and uh, it's just been a great gift. Um, if you've ever been to uh, Evensong, perhaps on Baylor campus, or uh, maybe you've been to England and have seen Evensong in one of the college chapels of Oxford or in one of the cathedrals, uh, that is evening prayer simply sung to uh, wonderful musical settings. Um, the idea is actually rather simple. It's to read scripture daily. Uh, and if you follow morning and evening prayer together, you'll have two scripture readings in the morning and two in the evening. Uh, and uh, this will be a great help to you. It's actually a very, very great plan to follow uh, to read a lot of scripture over the course of a year or even over the course of a few months. As well, Cranmer includes, because this was the monastic tradition and had been uh, part of the Christian tradition since Jesus himself, to read the Psalms daily. Uh, the Psalter is included as well, and in our new Book of Common Prayer uh, for 2019, uh, we have a wonderful rendering of the Psalms that's based on uh, the Reformation Psalter of Miles Coverdale, and it's a wonderful gift, and the translation is excellent. Um, this is a copy, the Psalter is essentially a copy of the Psalms that's been translated not for the purposes of hitting the exact meaning, but for the purposes of being used as, um, for being used in daily prayer. Um, in addition to that, Thomas Kramer included various collects, various prayers, and included various options for uh, what to pray and how to pray and when to pray, as well as some of the biblical canticles, for instance, in we have those wonderful canticles, the, the Magnificat and the Nunc Dimittis, both taken from the Gospel of Luke. 
Um, so, uh, the Anglican rule of life, uh, if you follow uh, one of my heroes, Martin Thornton, and indeed our catechism speak of uh, the Anglican rule of life as including weekly communion, regular communion, uh, the praying of the daily office, and uh, private devotion, a life of private devotion. Uh, is important as well. Many people coming to Christ Church from uh, more uh, evangelical or reformed traditions uh, will often remark, you know, it's very strange for them to uh, have all of a sudden this wonderful common prayer tradition. And they say, well, what part do my kind of private prayers play in this? And I say, they play a wonderful part. You shouldn't drop them at all. Keep, keep doing those private prayers. Keep praying those devotions that you've prayed, even if you, if you prayed them since you were a child. Keep doing that. But to that, add the rigor and the regularity of the daily office. Uh, Kramer believed uh, that what God had in store for uh, the English people was a renewed Christian England, a revived Christian England. And that this could only happen by God's people reading the scriptures daily, and not only by reading the scriptures daily, but by meditating upon uh, God's word. Hear what uh, morning prayer begins with in this uh, new uh, uh, text. Um, listen to what he says. This is in the call to confession. We ought at all times humbly to acknowledge our sins before Almighty God, but especially when we come together in his presence to give thanks for the great benefits we have received at his hands, to declare his most worthy praise, to hear his holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things which are necessary for our life and our salvation. This is what happens in morning prayer and in the evening prayer. We confess our sins. Uh, we give thanks and praise to God for the great benefits that we receive from him. Uh, we declare his worthy praise. We hear his holy word through the two readings in the morning and the two readings in the evening, and also through the reading of the Psalms. And to ask, this is this Christian duty to intercede for ourselves and for others, uh, for those things which are necessary for our life and our salvation. It is on those grounds that the efficient, the one who's leading morning prayer, uh, says, therefore draw near with me to the throne of heavenly grace. In Cranmer's understanding, the church draws near to the throne of heavenly grace through her common life of prayer. And this is absolutely a wonderful idea, especially in the time of the Reformation. There's this idea that um, you, know, you don't just sort of trust that the monks are praying for you. You get to, as a Christian, draw near to the throne of heavenly grace to have your sins forgiven, to praise God, to hear his word, uh, and to make intercession for yourself and for others. During this time in which our nation faces a horrible pandemic, in which the world faces this terrible pandemic, uh, something is really interesting that's happening, which is that the Christian life of devotion is being driven out of the local uh, church's uh, congregational buildings, in this case, uh, Christ Church for us, uh, but are being driven back into our homes. And people are praying the morning offices, praying the evening offices together. And this is a wonderful and glorious thing. They're praying with families. Uh, Monday morning, uh, for the first time uh, that, that I've seen, um, uh, the people of our parish will gather through Zoom, the magic of Zoom, uh, to have uh, uh, morning prayer together as we do five days a week, uh, as we did prior. Uh, to do this through a conference call, through an online conference call. I think we're probably going to have more people at that than we've ever had at the, at the, at the in-person gathering. Uh, but let's just say a bit about how uh, the rite goes. If you have a prayer book, you can turn to page 11, 
And uh, the first thing that you do when you go to pray morning prayer is you open up to the beginning of morning prayer. But the second thing you do is you look to the back of the prayer book, which is rather counterintuitive, but once you get used to it, it becomes a habit. And you look to the back of the prayer book for the daily office lectionary. And right now, since it's March, uh, we are on page 742 for morning prayer and 743 for evening prayer. Morning prayer is on the left-hand side, evening prayer is on the right-hand side, and they give the readings by day of the month. This uh, prayer book for 2019, uh, as opposed to previous prayer books, uh, gives you the readings by day of the month rather than by day of the liturgical year. Um, I was sort of uh, perturbed by this. Like, well, you know, are we not Christians? You know, can't we follow a liturgical calendar? And then I discovered the magic of using uh, a, a normal and secular calendar for keeping the readings straight. And it just wipes a lot of confusion off the table. You'll notice that the readings are read in course. So lately in morning prayer, we've been reading from Exodus and from the Gospel of Matthew. So those are laid out right there. Uh, so today uh, is, uh, is March 21st, and this morning we read Exodus 28 and uh, Matthew 25, verses 1 through 30. We read the, the wonderful parable of the ten maidens and their lamps, and we read the, the parable of the talents as well. It was just wonderful this morning. Uh, and then you'll see the psalm listed in the 60-day Psalter rotation, uh, which is Psalm 50. So you find those readings, and if you're praying with a group or maybe with your family, you can even assign your kids some of the readings. Uh, my wife and I share the readings, uh, and this morning uh, my eldest daughter read from uh, Matthew chapter 24. Um, well, that was yesterday, she read from Matthew 24, because <laughs> she kept going, and it went a little long, but, but that's, uh, that's, that's the best way to do it, is to keep, parse out the readings, make sure everyone knows what the psalm reading is. Now, the Psalter in that part of the lectionary, and again, this is on page uh, 742, is on a 60-day rotation, meaning you'll do all the Psalms, you can be morning and evening prayer, you do all of them in 60 days. You can also, and if you look into the Psalter, and the Psalter begins, uh, the Psalter begins on page uh, 270, you will see at the very top of that page, 270, day one morning prayer, and that's uh, to say, on the first day of the month, so for instance, April 1st, April Fool's Day, you set out to, to read the 30-day Psalter, you start with day one morning prayer, and then in the evening, so you'll read Psalms 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, and then in the evening, you'll read Psalm 6, because that's what it says about Psalm 6, day one evening prayer, Psalm 6, 7, and 8. Um, and that way, you'll get through the whole Psalter once a month. So if you're really feeling you know, ambitious, then that's the thing to do. Um, so you sort all that out, you pass out the readings, you make sure you got it. If you're praying the morning office alone, um, it's often been asked of me, well, how do I do that? You know, everything is in, uh, is in the third person. So do I change it to the first person? The answer is no. Uh, uh, morning and evening prayer are the backbone of common prayer, and it means that everyone in the church, uh, everyone, and especially Anglicans, are praying morning and evening prayer together. We're praying the same stuff. And so we pray as members of the whole body of Christ, and therefore we pray in the third person. So don't change it. Um, let us, maybe it will help, be helpful to think about it, is the royal we. But you begin uh, with uh, opening up to this very first page, like I said, page 11, morning prayer. And you'll see that there are uh, opening sentences of scripture. Uh, because we're in Lent, uh, the opening scriptures are actually taken 
from page 27. So you flip over to page 27 and you'll see under Lent and other penitential occasions that, one of the, that there are three options for opening sentences you can read. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. Turn your face from my sins and blot out all my misdeeds, Psalm 51, verse 9. Or if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, Mark 8, 34. So once you've read those opening sentences of Scripture, and the ones that are provided on page 11 are for use usually during the ordinary seasons, uh, which is that whole stretch from, uh, from Trinity Sunday all the way through till the first Sunday of Advent, uh, that is when you read those opening sentences. So it's just so that the majority of the year they're right there for you. Then you can uh, bid the confession. There's a long one first and a short one second, and the people will pray together, and you might pray alone uh, this uh, this. Uh, a prayer of confession. Everything that everyone is supposed to say together is in bold. That's a very helpful uh, step forward in prayer book uh, uh, typesetting. Uh, it's a wonderful uh, advancement, uh, and that means that everyone knows what they're supposed to say together without having to look at, uh, at the instructions in the italics. Um, in addition to that, you'll note that uh, there's a, there are two uh, versions of an absolution, a long one and a short one, again, given for a priest to give or a bishop to give. Um, and in the very last part, in that opening uh, confession, uh, there's something for a deacon or a layperson to pray uh, kneeling. Then we have what's called the invitatory. This is uh, words from scripture, primarily from the Psalms, that call the people of God uh, to prayer. And uh, then there's what's called an antiphon prior to the first canticle. And the first canticles given for morning prayer are the Venite, the Jubilate, and the Pascha Nostrum, which is only done during Easter. Right now, because it's Lent, we're doing the Venite, we're doing the whole thing, uh, and you see there's a little instruction for that. But we begin with a, uh, with a uh, what's called an antiphon prior to that. I know this seems very, very uh, arcane, but believe me, it's easier than it sounds. Um, and uh, you turn uh, to the opening, uh, to the antiphons that are given on page 29, and those are given to you in the instructions, and you'll see that on page 30, there is uh, an antiphon there, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Well, after you've done this for a while, you know what the antiphon is for that season, so you don't have to look it up anywhere, you just say, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy, and then everyone says, oh, come, let us adore him, and it works out great. Uh, and then we say the night because it's Lent, and we read the whole thing, and then give the antiphon again, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy, O come, let us adore him. Then the Psalms are read, and uh, for today we read Psalm 50 for morning prayer, uh, and uh, it's um, uh, really a, a wonderful thing uh, for a family or for an individual to pray the Psalter daily, uh, and um, this is a wonderful opportunity as well because um, we can pray it together, uh, the best way to pray the Psalter together is not everyone just sort of start reading a psalm and read it straight through, but to read with some rhythm, to read with some balance. Some people like to read uh, so that the, the officiant, when read, leading the prayers, reads the first half of the verse up to the asterisk, and then everyone else reads after that. Uh, when I'm at home, our family reads uh, verse by verse responsibly. I'll read as the officiant the first verse, uh, and I'll stop at the asterisk, and I'll take a nice little pause to breathe, <laughs> and then continue on with the rest of the verse. If you can pray the Psalter slowly, and taking breaths is a very helpful way uh, to slow it down a bit, um, you can really uh, wonderfully meditate upon the Psalter. At the end of the Psalter, when you're done with that, and you don't want to rush through it, um, you pray, uh, flipping back to page 16, uh, 
that was called the Gloria Patri. Uh, its glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Um, the appropriate kind of thing for that, if you're into uh, body motions, is to sort of make a, make a bow. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Uh, that may be something you'd like to do. And then the readings are done. And the readings are taken, again, as I said before, from Holy Scripture and morning prayer. Uh, they're taken from uh, the Old Testament and then from the Gospel. And after each of the readings, there's also a canticle. Now, uh, you'll note that there are uh, three canticles given in the text for morning prayer, and then there are other alternative canticles given uh, later on. I believe those begin on page 80. Um, these are options that you can take, and uh, I want to encourage you to take them. Actually, they begin on page 79. Um, there are some for Advent and Easter. There are some for Epiphany. Uh, right now being Lent, uh, the Curio Pentecostal, the Curio Pentecostal on page 81 is very useful. Um, there is also Quirite Dominum, uh, which is available during Lent as well on page 82. And then in the Easter, we also see the Contemus Dominum, which is taken from uh, the book of Exodus. Uh, and then there are many, many, many other canticles uh, which you can use. But the standards are in the text, and they are the Deum Laudamus, um, which uh, is a 6th century canticle. Uh, by tradition, uh, it was Ambrose and Augustine that wrote uh, this wonderful canticle, although that's not true, that's not what happened, uh, but it's wonderful to think about. As uh, it's said that as Ambrose was, uh, was baptizing Augustine, they gave back and forth the Te Deum. It's a wonderful, wonderful uh, but also false story, but I like it anyway. Um, then we have the Benedictus S. Domine, uh, which is the song of the three young men, and then we have the Benedictus, which is the song of Zechariah, which is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 68 to 79. Uh, when It's by tradition that when you read a canticle uh, from the Gospels, you begin the canticle by making the sign of the cross. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. Um, this is uh, the format there. I would also say as well, the, the instructions say rather clearly that the Tideum is to be used on Sundays as well as feast days, and the other candles are to be used during other times. It's normal in Lent not to say the Tideum, uh, but it's also a wonderful thing, uh, tradition to say the Tideum straight through Easter, and I want to encourage you in that. Then we kind of, uh, after all the all of the scriptures have been read and the canticles have been prayed. Uh, and by the way, you finish each, each reading of scriptures followed by a canticle. Then, and, and you can uh, have as many as you like, really. Um, then we pray the Apostles' Creed. We pray the Apostles' Creed in the Anglican tradition twice a day at morning and evening prayer. And the reason for that is to continually be reminded of uh, the faith that we, that we profess. Uh, St. Ambrose, who I had mentioned earlier, um, calls uh, the Apostles' Creed an ever-present shield about us. Uh, it's to remember the confession that we hold. It's to remember the confession uh, into which we were baptized. And so the, the Apostles' Creed is repeated uh, in that way. Uh, and it's important, and by the way, if you haven't memorized the Apostles' Creed, which is one of the things you should do before you're confirmed, uh, you will memorize it very quickly if you just bring morning and prayer, uh, which is the idea actually. You'll also memorize the Lord's Prayer as well. Then the prayers begin proper. And some people often ask, well, for morning prayer, you seem to do very little praying. It's like, well, the whole thing is prayer. We pray through scripture, we pray through the Psalms, uh, we pray prayers of confession, but the prayers proper start here. And they start with the official saying, The Lord be with you. you know, the people respond with your spirit. He says, Let us pray, or she says, Let us pray. 
Um, it's been asked, well, if you're praying in the offices alone, how do you do that? And well, you just pray it. You do all of it. Um, and then you, you keep going. Um, for this, you can either kneel or stand. Um, and uh, some people like to do this, actually, in just open violation of the instructions here. Uh, they like to sit for that portion. Uh, then uh, there's the Kyrie's, Lord have mercy upon us, Christ have mercy upon us, the Lord have mercy upon us. Then the Lord's Prayer. And then there's this back and forth, the kind of call and response between the efficient and the people of more text from Scripture. And that concludes with uh, three collects. And the three collects are, uh, are um, collected prayers that collect the, the prayers of the people uh, for that day and for that week. And in Anglicanism, we pray uh, the collects, the collect of the, of the day is usually the collect of the week, and we switch collects on Sunday morning at morning prayer, and we continue them on throughout the week. For right now, the collect is for the third Sunday of, of Lent, and uh, tomorrow morning, which is the fourth Sunday of Lent, we'll switch over to the, to the collect for the fourth Sunday of Lent. And those can be found, uh, if you're following along right now, uh, the collects for the third and fourth Sunday of Lent are found on page 606. Um, very often people will like to keep a marker or a ribbon in that spot where the collects are. Um, you can pray them together, or you can pray just one person praying the collect, but that's what the collect of the day is. Sometimes you'll be looking, and you'll look, and you'll find a, uh, a feast day. So, for instance, uh, next week will be the Feast of the Annunciation, and we'll switch over to the collect for the Feast of the Annunciation, which are found in that same section of collects back in around the 600s. Then there's a collect of the day, which is given by day. There's a collect for Sunday through Saturday. And since today was Saturday, we create this wonderful collect for Sabbath rest on page 24. And then the third collect is the collect for mission. Um, we want to constantly remind it that uh, God is on a mission of salvation for the world. Uh, and, and it is the good news that God has uh, sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved, and so we remember that by praying uh, that the mission of the church would go forth unhindered. We pray that the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon those uh, who uh, are engaged in the mission of the church, everything from clergy and local congregations, uh, everyone from uh, missionaries to those who are very near to us, uh, doing the work of the gospel in our place. And then you'll see at the top of page 25, you'll see that uh, there may be other intercessions at that time. Uh, and those intercessions can be really anything that anyone wants to do. In our family, we stop and we, we pray uh, intercessions for each other. And we pray intercessions on behalf of our neighbors and people in the parish. Um, we pray intercessions, and right now we're praying especially for an, a relief to this uh, COVID-19 uh, uh, crisis. We're also praying as well uh, for friends in uh, the Middle East and for missionaries and for all those uh, who are very deeply endangered by this crisis. We pray for our neighbors who are in quarantine. We pray for all kinds of people in the midst of that, people who are sick, people who are going through various uh, struggles, people who have experienced uh, uh, loss in their families. Uh, we pray for all of them during that time. When we pray uh, morning prayer corporately as a parish, we do the same thing. Um, so this is a wonderful time to just stop and pray. And then you'll see that a hymn or an anthem can be sung. And uh, at Christ Church, we publish uh, a list of the hymns of the week, and those go out in our weekly emails. And so you might wish to keep a hymnal with you and sing the hymn of the day at that point after the end of the intercessions. Then there are two more prayers which can be prayed. Um, one or both of them can be prayed, but one at least must be prayed. Um, and you can either do the general thanksgiving or the prayer of St. John Chrysostom. 
Or you can just pray both, and, uh, and I actually think it's very good to pray both. Um, the general thanksgiving is a wonderful prayer of thanksgiving uh, to God for all the wonderful blessings uh, that we've received, not only uh, in our lives, but through this time of prayer, uh, this, this, uh, this giving up of the, the service of our lips and praise to God. Um, and uh, finally, this prayer of St. John Chrysostom, uh, who's the uh, Archbishop of Constantinople in, uh, in about uh, the late fourth century. Uh, this is a wonderful prayer, and uh, in this prayer book, it's actually a wonderful uh, translation of that prayer that actually gets uh, gets it right. So that's a very good thing. And then, and then the office closes. If you do everything, and, and I think you know most people should be able to do everything, uh, it will only take you about thirty minutes. Um, you'll know that I've only done morning prayer this morning uh, for for the morning. Um, but if you look at evening prayer, it's very much the same. The readings are found on the alternate right-hand page uh, as you go month by month. And uh, the difference with evening prayer is that there are only two canticles, the Magnificat and the Nuntimittis, uh, to follow each reading. Uh, and they're very straightforward. And I think that's uh, often one of the great graces of the prayer book is that it doesn't make you choose anything uh, after, uh, after a certain hour. So after five o'clock, all beds are off. I'm not choosing anything. Just tell me what to do, I'll do it. That's a wonderful way to do it. And so I wanna encourage you that. Evening prayer is, is meant to be fairly laid back and not so complicated. Um, there are also two more offices that you might want to pray although they've not usually been a part of the Anglican tradition. Uh, they are noonday prayer and Compline. Uh, many people find that, uh, that their families are, are, are apart for most of the day, and then they're not really together until Compline, and so Compline becomes a kind of time for the family to come together and pray together, and that is found on page 57. Um, many people like to pray midday prayer uh, when they are home or about to eat lunch or something like that. Um, I remember when I was a little kid and growing up at church camp, we used to pray a noonday prayer uh, before we'd have our, our noonday meal. Um, so I hope that uh, the, the praying of the daily office is a help to you. Um, it's a great reminder during this time when people are self-isolating or staying home largely uh, to keep up this daily rhythm of prayer. When you pray the daily office, um, you're not simply one person praying alone by yourself. You're praying with a whole company of people, uh, with people throughout the world. I take great comfort in knowing that uh, people that I know throughout the world, Anglicans that I know throughout the world, even uh, some that are not Anglicans, are praying with me as I do this. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.